Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. It's an honor to serve in this house. It's an honor to serve you, to be a father to so many, to uh, even to, even to the old ones. I can still be a father to Bobby and Mike and the sergeants, uh, Sherry, Sherry. I'm going to be your father too. <laughs> Jonathan, son, can I call you son? Jonathan, your dad's not here, so don't tell him I said son. Um, it's a joy to serve. I love, I love my family. I love my kids. I remember, I, I like, uh, you, you, sometimes you don't know if you're making an impact or not. I remember uh, when I started being mentored by Bill Johnson 20 years ago or so. He didn't know he was mentoring me, but from a distance, I bought all of his books and bought all of his sermon series, and I would listen to them. And and I began to apply some of the principles I was learning um, in my life. And I remember saying 20 years ago, uh, cancer is illegal in the kingdom. Sickness and disease is illegal in the kingdom. And I remember, I think Cole may have been eight years old, and uh, at bedtime, I would go lay in the bed. He had a little twin bed. I would lay next to him, and we would talk and pray a little bit, and I would tickle, and Nicole would be irritated because I'm always wiring them up. But I can't not tickle. You know, it's, it's part of what I do. It's my, it's my thing. And then, then I would go into Gracie's room and lay next to her in her little twin bed and tickle her. And uh, I remember one night I was trying to get Gracie to go to sleep. She had to be three years old. And I said, Gracie, you have to go to sleep now. And she, with a little lisp, said, this is a party and you're bringing it down, Randolph. <laughs> Randolph? Who are you and what have you done with my daughter? Uh, I went, but I remember laying in, in next to Cole and our dog Puddles uh, got sick. And um, it had, she had developed like a, a pneumonia, some pneumonia symptoms, but it turned out to be another disease. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Uh, and uh, so, but the doctors first told us that it was like pneumonia. And so, and she was just real weak. And so I'm laying there in bed with Cole, and he's heard me say some of these principles. I'm not talking anything about the dog getting healed or anything. And so Puddles comes up and jumps up on the, uh, the foot of our bed and is laying there and kind of moves up. And, and Cole's praying his prayer. I don't even remember what it was, but I just remember him putting his hand on Puddles' head and said, there is no ammonia in the kingdom. The dog ended up dying. <laughs> but it's still a truth that is more real than the chair you're sitting in. Sometimes we have to exercise and we have to say, we have to say it with our mouths until we start seeing it. Last Sunday, Stephanie right here sitting next to Sherry, came in and had a stroke. When was the stroke? Two weeks ago. And had to have help in the building. Today she drove herself to church. We prayed for her last Sunday. And here she sits right here in the presence of the Lord. Uh, vibrant, full of life. And we're so glad that God is at work. Um, and then there's Carson. Uh, last week, we arrived about 8.30, and then when church was over, we had connect class. So when we finally got in the car to leave, um, Carson was sitting in the front. We're waiting for Nicole to come out. He's sitting next to me in the front because he always likes to sit in the front after church because Nicole won't let him on the way here. 
So he's sitting there and he looks at the clock and he says, how long have we been at church? And I said, uh, about six hours. And he said, that's like binge watching a TV show. <laughs> it's right, right? So he, what he's relating that to is he and I always watch TV together. We get a show on Netflix or or some, he likes these detective, suspenseful shows, cops and gunfights. And so, uh, and we watch episode after episode, and we sit in our theater room or in the living room all by ourselves, and he calls that bromance. That's his little phrase that he made up, bro-mince, bromance. So Carson and I, not bromance, there's that, you know, have a few bromances going on around here. But we're talking about bromance. This is moments with dad and son. And Nicole is not allowed to be in the room. Um, but I love fathering my kids. Like Cole is now an adult, and he sends me this text message. Oh, I just got a text from Gracie, too. My kids love me. Uh, Okay, so Cole, text me this. The right, reverend, and honored father of the blessed house of the Lord Most High in heaven and on earth, David Leonidas Binion. I didn't know that he told me that it was. It's David Lee, so that's where that's built on. Um, But then in the kingdom, I've had, uh, uh, several years ago, Lyle Phillips started calling me Papa David. And it would start getting these, about 20 years ago, uh, started getting these prophetic words about God was uh, calling me to father people in the kingdom. And I was like, I really wasn't sure if I wanted to be called somebody else's father. I would, you know, before I understood this terminology... And I hear people say all the time, that's my son in the Lord. And, I, and so I get that. But now that I'm in this position and I look and see faces of people that I get to influence and trust that they're going to discover that there is no sickness in the kingdom. And they'll begin to adapt theologies and ideas and concepts that I live by that we begin to develop a culture. See, a a mother and a father help establish a culture in a house. This is what we do. This is what we don't do. This is what we watch. This is what we don't watch. March up those stairs and just wait. I'll be up. (laughs) I don't think I've ever done that to the kids. That was my mom and dad. My mom and dad I miss my dad. I remember uh, there are so many of us, six kids, and I remember that on occasion I was one of the lucky ones that got to sit in the front because we have a big car and five kids across the back seat and then mom and dad and one or maybe two. And so we'd be driving and my dad had these chubby little fingers and you put them over on my knee. And I hated it when he did that. It was just like, I would push his hand away. He'd always put it back. And these little chubby fingers, just like that right there. And they would... And he would squeeze, like, just, I, I don't think, involuntary, he would just kind of squeeze his hands. And, uh, and so I contemplate it now, and I know that was affection being expressed. Yeah. I didn't like it then. I miss it today. Yeah. Happy Father's Day, Dad. <laughs> Such an honor to... to Love you. To be a friend. To bring the word. To lead you into his presence. It's not just singing songs, but it's taking you on a journey. And allowing you to experience him. Maybe in ways you never experienced him before. So, I just want to say how grateful I am that you've chosen 
dwell church, to be your church. That you uh, give me the opportunity to just exist, do kingdom life, to explore, to reach, to encounter together. So I'm going to dive into, when we first started um, this idea that we were going to have a red letter series, uh, and Nicole immediately wanted to uh, speak on the Beatitudes. And then in our conversation as we're getting ready, Tanner also felt uh, he wanted to continue that. And I'm like, well, when is it my turn? <laughs> Y'all are taking up all the Sundays. What somebody said last week at the Connect class, they were coming to our church, and, and they talk about how much they love it, and there's a pastor who never preaches. <laughs> Okay, if you're here today, buddy, it's my turn. Um, but when we started, I immediately felt the Lord drop in my heart the word repentance. And I want to dig into that a little bit. I want to have a, a passage of scripture, a few passages. I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. You know what the Amplified Version is? It's you say it really loud. Okay, that's an old joke, a preacher I heard do it. It's not that funny. Thanks for... Son, I want you to go to the back, and I want you to wait for me. <laughs> Matthew, the third chapter, the second, ver- the second verse in the Amplified Version, it says, Repent! <laughs> Change your inner self, your old way of thinking. Regret past sins. Live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life. For the kingdom is at hand. He put all of that definition in the middle. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I feel a little dry. Give me a second. (laughs) I was waiting for you to laugh. (laughs) In the beginning of chapter 4, so we just read this in in Matthew 3, and we move on into the fourth chapter. It tells us the story of The temptation of Jesus. Following that, the arrest of John the Baptist. Then in verse 12, Jesus begins his ministry. And I'm going to read it. Matthew 4, starting with verse 12. And this is the ESV. Now when he heard that John had been arrested... He withdrew into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea. We're going there in November with TBN. If you want to go, you need to ask us, uh, and we'll tell you how to get there. I don't know. Go. go. It's it's online somewhere. Go to tbn.org slash Israel. And uh, if you want to go, some of you I know have already signed up and registered and you're going. We're going to go to Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. And then Jesus speaks of uh, the words the prophet said, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So essentially, what's happening here is Jesus has just retweeted John the Baptist. 
give me a, a second to, to build this and you'll understand. Um, in the Amplified, I'm going to read it again. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that proves repentance, seek God's purpose for your life, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If for those of you, except for you sitting on the front row, I think maybe if you're on the front row, I want you to reach the front, just the bottom of your chair and get a good grip. Everybody behind the front row, reach up and just get a grip of that chair in front of you. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach. The kingdom is as close as your ability to reach. Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 14, it says the same story. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Everybody say repent. Now Luke 17 verses 20 and 21. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Oh, I like this mental ascent. It's within reach. Red letters. We're having a red-letter revival. The words of Jesus. There are some churches today that teach and believe that we only believe in the red letters. We only believe in the words of Jesus. We give no validity to any of the Old Testament prophets, nor the words of Paul and any of the apostles in the New Testament, only the words of Jesus. And that's a... uh, they do err in their lack of understanding. Because much of what Jesus said in the red letters, he was retweeting another prophet. So you can't invalidate all of these Old Testament prophets. Jesus hung on the cross and quoted a psalm. Isaiah prophesied in the 53rd chapter that he was wounded for our transgressions. By his stripes we are healed. He prophesied Jesus. So we're going to discount Isaiah. Uh, you You could search. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, before he entered into his ministry, he quoted the word, the Old Testament. But Jesus uh, connected it all in a way that uh, fulfilled what all the prophets described, what all the prophets said would come. Jesus is now stepping into it. Um, Jesus said, I don't do anything because of what I hear the Father say. He's demonstrating to us the way we are to function in the earth. We don't say anything except what we hear the Father say. Let me, let me uh, keep, take this a little further. John, the first chapter. I love this. Starting with verse 1. I'm, it's got 14 verses. Y'all stay with me, okay? In the beginning was the Word. Let's talk about... The, the, the words of Jesus in the four Gospels. 
the words of Jesus in the four Gospels weren't written by Jesus. They were written by other men giving their testimony of their account, living life next to him. So even these words are someone else's story about him. But we believe that the Bible is the word of God, inspired by the spirit of God, inspired by the words. Every prophet that spoke, spoke what they heard the father say. And Jesus demonstrated the same thing. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. I'm either going to stop and get a cough drop out of my mouth. Because I don't know why I'm so dry. Bill Johnson said, Jesus Christ is perfect theology. What you think you know about God that cannot be found in the person of Jesus, you have reason to question. He is the standard, the only standard given for us to follow. John 5, 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. So, guys, how do we get a grip on what he's saying here? Jesus was all God, but he stripped himself of his divinity And became flesh and dwelt among us. Everything he did in the earth, I believe, he demonstrated all the miracles. He demonstrated as a man connected to the Father. He was showing us how to do life on earth. He was showing us what was possible. That's why he could say things like, greater things shall you do. Because I go to the Father. But he withdrew himself on many occasions and uh, prayed to the Father and was able, was so in tune and was, had the ability to hear the Father. We were created in his image. And we have the ability, if we can get past all of life's distractions, to hear him. He is a speaking God. He still speaks. And he's given us ears to hear and eyes to see. It may not be the way exactly the way Jesus did it. I think it's different for a lot of people that I know, the way they hear from God. Some, some can interpret dreams and some hear audible voices. I, I've heard his audible voice on a few occasions myself. But uh, a lot of times it's just this strong 
impression, a, a word. Back in January, I told you I was praying right here, right here. It was on a, one of the nights of prayer. We were in the 21-day fast. The lights were all off, and I'm standing up here by this wall, and sometimes I just put my hand up, and I'm just, for whatever reason, I can hear him up here. And I heard him say, double. But when I heard it, I saw spelled out D-O-A-B-L-E. And I'm like, okay, I know I'm 60, but I know that's not how you spell double. And I, I didn't even like figure it out until the next night I was sharing. I don't know if it was Carissa or somebody on the next night we were praying. And I was sharing what I saw the night before. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Double is doable. It's how God spoke to me. And now we're on this journey. We had no plan. We had no idea that we would be uh, uh, on this path and raising funds to buy a building. And here we are. Everybody say double is doable. It was the word of the Lord. I heard him say it. And I, I, I won't take a step in any direction unless I have a divine direction from the voice of the Lord. Jesus said in Luke 5, verse 32, another scripture, I'm, I'm bringing this, I'm going to try to help you understand the word, uh, the definition of the word repentance. Jesus said, Luke 5, 32, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So I want to dig into this a little bit. The definition of repentance. Before Going further, it's important that we clearly understand what repentance really means. In the Old Testament, two Hebrew words help us understand repentance. Now, see, I, I, I grew up in church. I've been in church. I have no memories that I didn't. I, I remember sleeping on the floor under wooden benches in revivals. I remember my brother was asleep on the front wooden pew over in McKinney. And uh, uh, fell off. He was asleep and rolled over. And the preacher's preaching. And there's a little pause. And all of a sudden, there's this big boom. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, my brother Jimmy raises his head up and <laughs> looks over at the back of the pew. Uh, <sighs> things that happen in church. Um, so I've heard this word, I've heard this term, I've heard people use, uh, use ideas, and uh, I've learned throughout my process uh, of, dis of studying the Bible and digging, there are some things that I learned in church that I have never found in the Bible. I just did. <laughs> uh, but that's because we're flawed humans, and we do our best to interpret, and uh, and we so we move forward. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna keep moving here. There are two words in the Old Testament that help us understand. The first is the word; it's spelled N A C H A M, Nacham, which means to turn around or to change your mind. The second is the word sub. It's used over six hundred times in the Old Testament. And it's translated into words like turn or return, seek or restore. You often see it in phrases like to turn to the Lord with all your heart. Turn to the Lord with all your heart is, is uh, in, in the word study, that is the term is repentance. Turn to the Lord. Repentance is like this. If you're walking on a journey, repentance means that you come to yourself and realize this is not the right path. And you do a 180 and you take a new, you make a commitment to change the direction you're walking in. So it, as it relates to sin, we realize this is not working for me. This is not working for me. Granny talked about Jesus. 
So I'm just going to, I'm going to see if I can find my granny's Jesus and make a turn that's called repentance. When you come to the New Testament, you need to know the Greek word metanoia, which literally means to change your mind. Repentance fundamentally means to change your mind about something. It has to do with the way you think about something. You've been thinking one way, but now you think the opposite way. That's repentance, the changing of the mind. Let's suppose a man wants to learn how to parachute. I've thought about it a few times. I've had friends go on excursions, invited me to go along, and for whatever reason, I wasn't available. I don't know, ever since the Bonnet woman had that accident. <laughs> Do you remember that? She, she was with Steve Austin. Jamie Summers and Steve Austin were on a date. And they were parachuting, and her parachute didn't parachute. <laughs> Do you not know this story? Okay, so she got, she got caught up in the trees a little bit. So it wasn't like a complete slam on the ground. The trees kind of helped break the fall. But it crushed both of her legs and her right arm. And it damaged the internal parts of her head. And she lost her ear. So she, now she has a bionic ear, a bionic arm. And two bi- she can run 60 miles per hour. Along with Steve Austin, her boyfriend, who was bionic before. But he had a crash in a plane. Okay, parachute. Let me get back to the parachute. Let's suppose a man wants to learn how to parachute. I'm not the man. So he goes to a parachute school. And they show him how to rig up his gear, pull the ripcord, and land safely. Finally, the day comes when they take him up in an airplane. He's scared to death, but he's afraid to back out. The moment comes when he is to jump. He goes to the airplane's door and sees the ground 7,000 feet below. His legs grow weak. He's about to throw up, and somebody behind him tries to push him out the door. (laughs) At the last second, he says, no, I'm not going to do it. Go ahead, you can do it, you can do it, his instructor shouts. I've changed my mind. I'm not going to jump. Have you ever changed your mind? Have you ever done that? I changed my mind. Nicole said, you said you were going to do this. Well, I changed my mind. And he doesn't. The man has repented. He's decisively changed his mind. And this story illustrates how repentance works. Repentance is a change in how I think that leads to a change in how I live. When you really change your mind about something, it will change how you think about it, talk about it, feel about it, and act about it. I'm suggesting that repentance is more than just a mental game. Repentance is a decisive change in direction. It's a change of mind that leads to a change of thinking, that leads to a change of attitude, that leads to a change of feeling, that leads to a change of values, that leads to a change in how you live. What does it mean to repent? Matthew 3, 2, again, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach. Another quote I love, Bill Johnson would always use, repent 
Or you'll never see what's right in front of you. The kingdom. Many of us miss, if that's for me, tell them I said hello. Um, Many of us miss opportunities. We say we believe in something. We say we believe in healing, but we never see miracles. And we're okay with not seeing it. We've, we've learned how to, well, I'll pray for you. And you even just pray a prayer. And, and weeks later, they're in the hospital. Weeks later, you're at their funeral. And you somehow compartmentalize and say, well, it just must not have been the will of the Lord. And you end up evolving into an unbelieving believer. And because it didn't work, You cease trying. I meet a lot of people that are scared of this word repent. So many churches have just kind of backed away from even using it. They avoid using it altogether. It's because very few understand what the little word means. You may be surprised to learn the word repent in the Greek New Testament simply means, I've said it to you already, turn around. It was a military term describing a soldier marching in one direction and then doing an about face, a 180 degree turn. And when you use this term spiritually, it means to change your heart, mind, and habits. So repenting perfectly describes what happens when you come to Christ. Repentance is not confession. Confession is a result of repentance. Someone spoke a word and a light came on. And you, you did an about face. Let me not get ahead of myself. You no longer reject Christ, but now you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. You do a spiritual about face, which in turn changes everything. Not only do you change your mind about Christ, but you change your mind about sin and discover what it means to honor God. You realize that it's no longer about performance. It's about a heart attitude that confesses Christ and seeks to honor him in every aspect of your life. So should you be afraid of that word repent? No. Instead, embrace the idea of doing the spiritual about face, turning to Christ And away from sin in your life. Repentance. I want to talk about repentance before salvation. Repent, therefore, Acts 3.19. This is not on the screen. Don't even try to find it. Repent, therefore, and turn back. Everybody say, "Turn turn back. That your sins may be blotted out. When Peter preached the truth about Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 2. He left thousands of listeners wondering what to do next. His response in verse 38 is simple. He says, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. As a result, 3,000 people were added to the church. Is this the message of most churches today? Does it seem strange that Peter said, repent instead of believe? Scripture often uses these concepts together. Repentance and faith are two sides of the same coin. Both are essential 
for salvation. And each is dependent upon the other. But regarding salvation, you can't separate faith from repentance. To be saved, you must place faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That decision requires a change of mind or repentance about your way of life. Both happen at the same time. Yet many people mistakenly believe they must repent before making a faith decision for Jesus. Repentance doesn't mean we must completely change our ways and clean ourselves up so that we can receive Christ. There should be no delay or separation between repentance and faith. If you're holding off on a decision for Christ until you think you're ready or worthy, then you're waiting in vain. And perhaps someone in the room, here's what I'm saying right now. Wait no longer. Wait no longer. Wait no longer. See the light. Be illuminated. And make a turn. Jesus is ready to receive you right now. Only as a child of God will you find the power. His power to become the person he created you to be. What does Jesus have to do with repentance? 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Everybody say, repentance. The conventional wisdom about what happens when you die is that you will stand before God. And if you did enough good works that outweighed your sinful acts, then you get into heaven because heaven is for good people. And good people go to heaven. Then the other belief is that if you have done enough bad things that outweigh your good works, you will go to hell because hell is for bad people. Heaven is for good people who get in by good works, while hell is for bad people who do bad things. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that hell is prepared for the devil and his angels. You can read about it in Matthew 25, verse 41. It isn't prepared for bad people at all. Heaven is the dwelling place of God. And the way you get into heaven is based on what you do with Jesus. And God will know if you believe in Jesus. Even if you've lived a wicked life and sinned throughout it, You would go to heaven if you were to call out to the Lord Jesus Christ in genuine repentance on your deathbed. But if you lived a good life, have been relatively a good person, a good moral person, and have done good deeds, but have never put your faith in Jesus, then you would not go to heaven. And your good work could never outweigh your evil acts. So be thankful. That is not what you'll be judged for. The assurance that we will go to heaven is not as our culture often sees it. But this, what I'm telling you, this is what the Bible teaches. It is the son question, not the sin question. Thank God. You know, one of the worst things I ever remember doing as a little boy when mom made me take a nap on Sunday afternoon, I did not want to take a nap. 
And I was little enough for my waist to be right at the, you know, the height of the bed. And I, I remember once she's making me and all of us uh, go take naps on Sunday afternoon. And I went in there and I'm crying. I've laid my, my belly over the side of the bed and got my faces in a pillow. And no one could hear me, but inside that pillow I'm saying, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I was so sinful. <laughs> Then we wait long enough for mom to think we're all asleep, and my older brother would take the, go over to the window, raise it up, and slip off the screen, and we'd all sneak outside. <laughs> now I'm going to hell. <laughs> Acts 3.19, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Second Peter 3 verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Yes. From that time, Jesus began to preach, Matthew four seventeen, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yeah. Luke thirteen three. no, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. 1 John 1 and 9, if we confess our sins, yeah. he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Acts 2.38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 17.30, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Okay, I'm going to try to land the plane now. So I'm going to go back to this word repent. Repent is basically, it's it's two words connected, re and pent. Re means to go back. Pent is where we get the word penthouse, the top floor, the top higher place. Go back to the high place. Go back to the original intent. Come to the high place. Go back to the high place. Return to Eden. Can I say that? Return to the place of fellowship. Come to the high place. This thread is throughout scripture. David wrote, who will ascend? The hill of the Lord. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Isaiah talked about the high place. In the sixth chapter of Isaiah, he said, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up. In chapter 34, Isaiah said to his people, once he's had this encounter, he's invited the people of Zion, come up to the high mountain and behold your God. In the fourth chapter of Revelation, in red letters, John hears a voice and the voice says, come up here, come up here. And he has this incredible vision. I, 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 wrote, I wrote some lyrics that describe it. Uh, when you, when you, the song's not out yet. It will be. It's one of our Revelation songs. John is not seeing what's going to come one day at the end of time. He is seeing what is happening in the eternal realm 2,000 years ago, he's beholding it. It's not something that's coming. It's just the way things are in the eternal realm. And so I wrote this lyric. I see the throne. He comes to the high place, and he's astounded by what he sees. He says, I see the throne. I see the one as brilliant as gemstones. These are the lyrics. This is just taken and interpreted 
reading the scripture, but go and read the fourth and fifth chapter and see what he sees. And you'll see these words. I see the glow that swirls around the brightest of rainbows. And from the throne, a thunderous roar and flashes of lightning. The seven flames all stand ablaze. The spirits inviting to come up here. Come up here. The elders clothed in whitest robes with crowns that are golden. They all fall down. They cast their crowns and worship before him. Four beings rise with wings and eyes, magnificent faces. The great reprise both day and night. They all keep on singing. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come. He sees the one who was, all that he's known in history from the people of Israel, their account of creation, all that he's ever known. The one who was, the one who is, and the one who is to come. It's the same one that we serve today. He's still seated on the throne and we're still when when john was invited when god speaks he doesn't speak to an individual he speaks to a people he he didn't he didn't um he didn't come to john he came through john the word didn't come to john it came through john to a people And John's message was written, he was told to to send letters to the seven churches. The message is still for every church today. You're invited to the high place. Isaiah said it. Go up high into the mountain and behold your God. The availability, the place. Paul wrote about it. He said, we've been made to sit together in heavenly places. I'm afraid most of us understand intellectually, but our seats are empty. And we keep praying prayers and attending funerals. But he wants us to see from the higher perspective. Jesus told his boys, don't say in four months, then comes the harvest. He said, but if you will lift up your eyes, you'll see that the harvest is already prepared. It's already. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.